heard this story of these two lawyers. They're having a court case, and they had Mrs. Smith on the witness stand. And as Mrs. Smith said on the witness stand, the first lawyer got up, and uh, the prosecuting t attorney got up and said, Mrs. Smith, uh, do you know me? And Mrs. Smith says, I most certainly do know you. I've known you since you were a little bitty child, and I will tell you right now that I'm very disappointed in you. I've known you and watched you as you've grown up and as you've turned into an attorney, and I've seen you uh, coming out of the liquor store carrying liquor and, and beer, and I'm very disappointed in you and the lifestyle you live, and I, I know your parents, if some of them were alive today, they would be ashamed of you. And that lawyer was just took back. He couldn't believe it. So red-faced, that, that prosecuting attorney, he sat down, and the defense attorney got up and said, well, Mrs. Smith, do you know me? She goes, I most definitely sure do know you. I know exactly who you are. You grew up, and you grew up around the same neighborhood, and uh, I'm disappointed in you, too. As a matter of fact, I'm so disappointed in you, not because of anything, any of the drinking like this attorney over here, but I know you're a womanizer, and you've been cheating on your, your wife, and you've been cheating with another man's wife, and that, the, the other man's wife you've been cheating on is this attorney right here. And the whole crowd, the, the, they were just, it just was hushed. And that judge said, y'all fellas, get up here right now. Y'all fellas, get up here right now. Right now, come on up here. Come up, to my, come up to my bar right now. So those two attorneys looking at each other, got all red face. They come up to the, to the bar, and the, and the judge looked down and says, if any one of you yahoos ask her if she knows me, you're going to be in contempt of court. <laughs> yeah. If any of you yahoos... To ask her if she knows me, you're going to be in contempt of court. Yeah. Yeah, it gets on, gets on the public record that way, man. Woo-wee. All right, we're in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 51. I want to show you and, and look, show you some things out of the Bible to show you some things that Jesus didn't do. Now, I'm real good. And I say I'm not real good, but I, I try to, as best of my ability, to try to preach the things that Jesus Christ did and the things that Jesus Christ can do and the things that Jesus Christ did while he's walking on this earth. But I want to preach this morning some things that Jesus Christ didn't do and that Jesus Christ doesn't do. And it's starting there in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadily set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ knows it's time for him to go and to be crucified. So he's heading towards Jerusalem to go to be crucified. Verse 52, And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Now remember, the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentiles, and these Samaritans, they had the belief that they were worshiping God in the right mountain. They didn't believe that Mount Zion, that up in Jerusalem was the place you had to worship. They had decided that they had the right mountain and they wanted to worship in their own mountain. This is the discussion that Jesus Christ and the woman at the well had in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Go home and read the Gospel of John chapter 4 and you'll see her, her and Jesus Christ talking about this. And, and the, Jesus Christ is going to go through this area of the Samaritans. And, and he wants them to make ready for him. In other words, he's wanting a place to stay because he, no, he had no pillow to even lay his head on. Jesus Christ had no house. He just was going from place to place, relying on people to take care of him as he went through his ministry. Verse 53, and they did not receive him because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. And they noticed that when Jesus came in, they said, Jesus Christ is only using us to go through to get to Jerusalem. And we don't like Jerusalem. We don't think you should be worshiping God at Jerusalem. We think we got the right place. So they didn't want to help him out. Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, 
Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, well, they, you don't want to have no part of us? Hey, Jesus, you want us to kill every one of them with some fire down from heaven? Does that sound like any of y'all? If it don't sound like any of y'all, y'all can look up here because it sounds a lot like me and my attitude. I get that kind of attitude. But he turned, Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Amen. That's what I want to preach on this morning, is what Jesus Christ didn't come to do. What he didn't come to do. So back up at verse 54, I want to point out that... Um, one of the problems that Jesus Christ gets in this world is he gets ridiculed and he gets mocked for things he didn't do but his followers do. And I think that's a disservice. I think that's unfair. But uh, it's the truth is that so many times people see how Christians act and how Christians conduct themselves and they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. And I, I want to say this morning, don't hold don't hold it against Jesus Christ what, what some Christian does. Uh, don't hold it against Jesus Christ if you don't like me or you think I, I, I'm rude or maybe I'm a smart aleck. And I am all those things. And I can be all those things. Or you see me commit some sin that you know no pastor or no Christian should ever do. Uh, uh, I, please, I'm not saying you won't ever see me do something like that or you won't ever hear me say something I shouldn't say, but please don't hold it against my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because just like James and John, I have that kind of attitude. Sometimes I get the kind of wrong spirit in me that comes out. Our actions and our, our, actions and our conduct as Christians, they reflect on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that this morning. Because here in, in verse 54, it says, when, when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? See, the story was Elias was up on the mountain, a great prophet of God, and they come in to pick up Elias. And what did Elias say? If I'm a prophet from God, let fire come down from heaven. And that's what it did. It came down and just consumed all those men, and the, the, the captain and his 50 men, just whoosh. So they're looking that, hey, we're around God, and we're around... The, the, the Son of God, and we should have this power, and this, we should use this power for our own delight, to, to make other men miserable. And there's been uh, denominations, and uh, the Catholic Church is one of them, that have, through the centuries, have destroyed people's faith in Jesus Christ because of their, their outrageous acts of killing people in the name of Jesus Christ, torturing people in the name of Jesus Christ. Something Jesus Christ says there in, 50, in 55, but he turned and rebuked him and said, ye know not what manner of spirit you are. You don't even know how you're acting. You don't realize what you're saying and what you're, how you're acting. Christians deserve to be called hypocrites. We don't, we, I, de I definitely do, and I'm speaking for a lot of majority of Christians. They deserve to be called uh, hypocrites. I've seen Christians do some of the most awful acts of unkindness and ungracefulness things I've ever seen. Maybe it's because I've been around a lot of Christians, but I've seen them do some awful things. But that doesn't take away from what Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. Uh, you can make fun of me and make fun of Christians, and we have a right. We have that. We have it coming. I agree we have it coming. But I want you to show me in this Bible where Jesus Christ did something that was ungraceful. That Jesus Christ did something that he deserves to be mocked and ridiculed for. Jesus Christ's words, they stand 
on everything he says stands to this day in 2019. Uh, Brother Wade was kind of making fun of me a little bit because I got up on the internet and I got into some arguments with some people and different people I know and I'm, I'm stirring the pot and I'm telling them, and I'm just telling the truth like I see it and I finally get tired of going back and forth and I, I finally just, I just finally said this. I finally said, let me say this because there's different friends fighting with different friends. Let me say this. I only will defend the words of Jesus Christ and his actions. Any other man, you've got to stand on your own. In other words, I'm with Jesus Christ. The rest of you are, you're on your own. You, 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 you're going to be held accountable for your own actions, your own words. The only person's words that I stand for 100% is Jesus Christ. And I, I'm never going to back down from that. Because you can't show me a time that Jesus Christ did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing. He's an amazing man. If you don't, even if you don't believe in, in, in him as a son of God, he's an amazing man. And... Uh, I was thinking about this story I heard from Chandra Pierce. She was that Christian comedian. She said when she was a little girl that she was at the water fountain. Her dad had just come into this church. And two of the ladies that were, 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 were over there where she was at. And they were looking at her. And she said she was a young girl. And they said, she's not very P-R-E-T-T-Y, is she? Making fun of how she didn't look good. And she talked about how that really hurt her. That's what Christians will do to you. That's kind of, but we're all sinners. We're, we're, we're working through this together. Uh, people say, I won't go to church because something happened to me bad at church. I've had people tell me that all the time. I won't go to church because I was at this church one time and they did something really awful to me. And you know what I tell them? I said, you're probably absolutely right. I'm not going to argue with you. But the point I will argue with you is this. If you go to a store, you just think of a store in your mind, and that store misuses you. Somebody does something really wrong to you at that store. You won't ever go back to that store, amen. You're saying, I'll never go back. I'll never spend my money at that store. But you keep going to stores, don't you? Amen. You, you keep going to the next. You go to the next grocery store. My point to you is you need to be spiritually fed. You need church. You need to get around God's people. If you go to a church and they do you wrong or they're full of people that do people wrong, get away from that church. God has made sure there's a church on every corner. Amen. Amen. Find you a church. Get in that church. It, you're, 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 uh, it's a sorry excuse to say, well, I, they did me wrong at church, so I'll never go back. Don't hold, can't, don't hold up. Jesus did not come into this world to destroy men's lives, according to verse 56. For the Son of Man does not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I'm so thankful that Lord and Savior didn't come in to destroy men's lives, because I know I'd be on the top of that hit list. The Lord would come in and say, let's see, let's see let me start with the biggest sinner, and then they'd push me to the front. That's not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, John, James, you don't understand. You don't know what spirit you are. You don't understand. Well, I came in here, and I don't want to destroy these men's lives. I want to save them. Amen. He didn't come to destroy. He came to save. So many people have this idea about Jesus Christ and about Christianity. If I, if I become a Christian, if I start serving the Lord, if I get saved and start serving the Lord, that it'll ruin my life. It'll ruin, it'll destroy my life. I'm here to tell you, living as a Christian for 20-something-odd years, it will not destroy your life. My testimony is it will enhance your life. And you'll, have, you'll have a wonderful life, and you'll be amazing when you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ how much trouble you can stay out of in your life. 
I look back at my life before I knew Jesus Christ and how many encounters I had with the cops, how many times the cops came over and talked to me at my house, how many times the cops had picked me up and took me down to the police station, all the trouble I had with the cops, how many times I'd see the cops ride by and I'd say, look, it's the pigs, let's run, and I'd run from the cops. And now that I've been a Christian for 20 some odd years, when I see a cop, I wave at him. I want to talk to him. I'm not afraid. Amen. Jesus Christ, he doesn't ruin your life. He, he saves your life. He doesn't destroy your life. You know what he does? He gives you an abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus Christ says, I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. That's why he came. He didn't come to destroy your life. And you need to get that out of your head. If you're waiting, you're saying, well, I'm a sinner, Brother Keegan. I'm, I'm doing some things right now I'm not real happy of. And uh, I don't want to get saved until I get my life cleaned up. I want to get my life cleaned up, and then I'll come down and I'll get saved. You'll never get saved. You'll never get saved. What you need to do is you need to know you're a sinner, which you obviously know that if you're saying you've got sin in your life. You need to understand that you're a sinner, and you need to understand you need the precious blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you. You need to understand that Jesus Christ will save you. If you'll come down the aisle to, if you come down the aisle to get saved with a heart like that, with a repentant heart, just, just forget about cleaning yourself up. You can't do it. Just come on down the aisle and say, I, I know I'm a sinner, I'm wicked, I'm sorry. Lord, will you save me? You let him save you, and then he'll start, through the Holy Spirit, he'll start to clean you up. Amen. You're never going to be completely clean. Don't get that in your head. But he'll clean you up, because he didn't come in to destroy men's lives. You know what he came in? He came in to save men's lives, not to destroy them. In John chapter 8, verse 10, real famous set of scriptures, a woman's caught in adultery. And when the woman's caught in adultery, they bring her to Jesus Christ. It's funny how the woman's caught in a very act of adultery, but they don't bring the man. They only bring the woman. So they bring the woman, and they bring him up before Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ never argues with them. Jesus Christ never says, she didn't do that. He just sits there, and he listens to them. And then he says the most, one of the famous sayings of the Bible. He says, ye who are without sin, cast the first stone. Amen. And then... Jesus Christ showed so much grace. People don't understand our Lord and Savior Jesus. He showed so much grace. You know what he did? He didn't stare him in the eye. The Bible says he just kind of looked down like this and got on the ground like that. And he started kind of fiddling around on the ground. Now, uh, different preachers have different uh, things they say he was riding on the ground. I'm not going to go into that. But what I will say this is when he looked down on the ground, he's fiddling on the ground. It gave every one of them men the opportunity to skedaddle. In other words, they don't have to save face. They're like, okay, let's get out of here. And the Bible says it started from the oldest to the youngest. Amen. The oldest, they took off first, and the youngest were the last to leave. You know what that, you know what that shows you? The old men know exactly what's going on here. Amen. They're full of sin. They know what sin is. What did Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ took her and said, you're damned and doomed to hell. You're going to hell. I hope you go to hell. And when you, when you hit the judge, no, that's not what Jesus Christ said. That's not what Jesus Christ said. I'll read you what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said, uh, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none, in other words, none of her accusers, but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thy, those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. I don't know what kind of sin you're living in. I don't know what kind of sin you, you, you think you're going to be, you're, you might be living in. Jesus Christ can take you and cleanse you and wash you and say, I'll forgive you. Just try not to sin anymore. That's the kind of Savior I want. I want the, I want the kind of Savior like Jesus Christ that says, 
I know you messed up, but let's just not do it again. Everything's going to be okay. And gives me another chance. And gives me another chance. And gives me another chance. And let me tell you about Jesus Christ. He'll give me another chance. And he'll give me another chance. Because he didn't come in to destroy Keegan Hall's life. He didn't come in to condemn my life. He came in to save my life. Let me show you another one of these. Look at John chapter 12. Look at Gospel of John chapter 12. Gospel of John chapter 12. Verse 44. Let me show you another one of these that Jesus Christ didn't come in to do. John chapter 12. Look way back off in verse 44. John chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus Christ, he's speaking here and he says, Jesus Christ, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but him, on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. See, that's Jesus Christ talking about his deity. What he's saying is, I am the Son of God, and when you see me, you're seeing God. And when you hear me speak, you're hearing God speak. And if you're seeing me, you're seeing the one that sent me. That's Jesus Christ. He's, 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 he's revealing his deity. Jesus Christ is God manifesting the flesh. Jesus Christ has a right to say your sins are forgiven. Because he's God manifesting the flesh. See, this is brought up in other parts of the gospel where they hear Jesus Christ says, uh, go, your sins are forgiven. And one of the Pharisees says, how can any, anybody but God forgive sins? That's what they questioned him. How can any man but God forgive sins? That's a good question. That's an honest question. The answer is, Jesus is God. Amen. That's how he can do it, see. You've got to get this stuff. And that's what he's doing here in verse 44 and 45. Now let's continue on. And I came, and I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. See, so you're afraid to come to Jesus Christ. You're afraid he's going to destroy your life. He's going to ruin it. He's going to condemn you. He's going to judge you. And all you're going to do, he's going to bring you out of darkness into light. He's going to open your eyes. You're going to have your eyes open. I have a, a, a good friend of mine. He's gone on now, but that's why he used to tell me all the time. He said, is that guy's eyes? Is, is that, he talk about puppies. And he talk about like puppy dogs. And, and there'd be somebody be talking about somebody had some puppies. He goes, well, are they Democrats yet? And I'm like, what? He goes, are they Democrats yet? I said, what do you mean? He goes, are their eyes open? This guy was a big Democrat. Y'all believe that I'd be good friends with a Democrat? You might be surprised who I'm good friends with. Y'all really would. It says in verse 47, If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I have come not to judge the world, but to save the world. Amen. Jesus Christ is not coming in here to judge you. Jesus Christ is not coming in here to destroy you. Jesus Christ, and I can truly say this from the word of God, Jesus Christ loves you. He, he understands you more than your mom or your dad or anybody else. He understands what you're going through. And the Bible says right there, Jesus Christ tells you flat, flat out, I judge him not, I, for I'm come not, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. But he goes on and continues and says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. God's Word. God's Word. We call it the Word of God. We call it the Bible. This Bible right here, that's what's going to judge you in the end. That's what he says right there. You know, some of y'all know that uh, I've gotten stuck on jury duty. <laughs> and the jury duty I've been stuck on is the uh, grand jury. 
That means I have to show up once a month for six months and decide what cases should go and what cases shouldn't. And they stick 12 of us in this room for about four or five hours. And, and we had to, and it's case after case after case. They bring in the cops, they bring in the state troopers, they bring in different attorneys, different district attorneys. They come in and they say, this person did this, that, and another, and this is all the evidence. And you gotta say, okay, true, or you gotta say, no, not, no, Bill, it's not true, we don't believe it. And you're just kinda, you're going through 50-something cases at a time. And I'm stuck on one of these juries. And in and, and this jury room they put us in, Guys, from floor, and I'm not exaggerating, from floor to the very top of the ceilings, nothing but law books, about four or five inches thick, just covering. It's pretty impressive. As somebody like me who's a book lover, Sister Holly, I love it. You know, I'm like, oh. I just want to go and open up one of those books. But there's been times that I, in my mind, I imagine I want, because it's, kind of, it's so dry in there. Nobody smiles. No, no. It's like, because you're do, doing all, I want to just get up one of these times. And I, I just want, hey, hey, hold on. When they're presenting the case, I, I just want to say, hey, hey, hold on. And I want to stand up and walk over there and grab one of those big book, books that has all the laws of the United States in it. I want to grab one of those books and I want to flip through it like I know what I'm doing. I want to put my, hand, my finger on one of those pages. And then I want to slam the book real quick and say, hang them. <laughs> hang them. That's what I want to do, just to see what the reaction of the district attorney and all those people in there would be. I'm saying all this to say that's what's going to happen to people without Jesus Christ. Amen. You're going to stand with God. Nobody's going to be with you. And he's going to start questioning you about all your sin, and there's going to be nowhere to hide. And you're going to say, well, I didn't decide it. And he's going to open up this book, and he's going to start judging you. And just like those big books I said in that grand jury room, they'll say Article, article .344.56 of the, of the penal code says this, that, and other. He's going to open this book and he's going to say, John chapter 3, verse 18. The article says, and then he's going to give it to you. You're in trouble. Amen. You're in trouble. See, the difference is when, when there's 12 of us grand jury there, we're trying to make decisions as sinful men on things we don't know everything about. Just the evidence presented to us. When you stand before God, God has all the evidence on you. Amen. See, all that stuff you go hide in a closet that maybe your wife and your husband and maybe some of your dearest friends don't know about, stuff you have hidden away, there's nobody else knows about it, but you're wrong because God does. Amen. And God's going to be there at that day of judgment and He's going to open up that door and all those skeletons are going to fall out of the closet. And let me tell you something, there ain't going to be nowhere for you to hide. You can't go hide with your best friend. You can't say, well, let me, let me bring in those people that were with me when I did that sin. God's going to say, no, that was you. Amen. It's going to be a scary, scary moment. Amen. Listen, Jesus didn't come in this world to judge you. He came in this world to save you from that judgment. Look at John chapter 3. I mentioned it, so let's, go, let's turn to John chapter 3 in closing. John chapter 3. Starting at verse, um, verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14. Well, we found out two things so far. Jesus did not come to destroy your life, but to save it. Secondly, we found out that Jesus did not come in to judge you, but to save you. And thirdly, we're going to find out in John chapter 3, verse 14. Let's find out what we have here. And as Moses, Jesus Christ is talking to Nicodemus, and he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. 
You noticed, have you noticed, have you noticed how many times Jesus Christ has put an emphasis on believing in him? These verses I've read this morning, have you noticed how many times Jesus Christ said, you better believe on me. You better believe on me. You better believe on me. But then you have different denominations running around saying, well, you, it's not just simply believing. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to keep this. You've got to keep that. And Jesus Christ never said it. I'm just reading you his words, guys. Now, I'm not reading you mine or my opinion. I'm giving you his words. And he simply says, he simply says right there in verse 15, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. He didn't come in to destroy your life. He came in to give you eternal life. All right. Now look at the very next one. Y'all know this one really most popular verse in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Twice. Two witnesses. Double witness. There's two witnesses there. Proving that it's belief in Jesus Christ. But going on to verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. The third thing that Jesus Christ didn't come to do is he didn't come to condemn you. Amen. He didn't. And I know when Jesus Christ is preached by some preachers, including me, and I'm guilty about it, when Jesus Christ is being preached, in your heart you feel like you're condemned. That preacher's condemning me. That preacher's judging me. That preacher's trying to destroy my life. No, no, no. We're trying to give you the truth. And I can assure you that Jesus Christ is not here to destroy your life. I can assure you he's not here to judge you and judge what's going on in your life. He's not here to condemn you and condemn your life. I've told you three different verses and three different times that Jesus Christ, out of his own mouth, told you his witness. His witness is, I'm not here to destroy men's lives. I'm here to save them. I'm not here to judge the world. I'm here to save the world. He says right here, and this is his own words. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Amen. He's not here to judge you. Now, you know what's interesting about people, and that's one of the things people get into about judging and judging each other and everything. And I agree with some of that. Because what I found out is you can't, it's hard to judge a man until you walk in his shoes. And some of us in here grew up with really, really good moms and dads. You grew up with a mom that loved you, and when you skinned your knee up, she kissed it. And you had a dad that was a man that showed you how to work and showed you what good and hard work was. And, uh, but there's some of us in here that didn't. Some of us in here grew up without a good mom. No mom at all. I know a man in, uh, just sitting in this church right now told me that his mom is like he was left out in the field to die. Nobody cared for him. Now, if you had a mom like that, how do you think that would change your attitude? How much trouble do you think you'd get in if you had a mom or dad that says, I don't care, just go leave me alone, get out of the house. Well, I'm going to go do some drinking. Just go, do, just get out of here. I don't care where you're at, just, don't, just leave me alone. And don't call me if you get arrested. How would you like a mom and dad like that? Or come home and your shoes are in rags and you're like, Dad, I need some new shoes. The kids at school are making fun of me. Shut your mouth, slap you in the head. How would you like that? I know people like that. I grew up around guys like that. I grew up in a very poor neighborhood. I grew up around guys whose moms and dads beat them and, and just mistreated them, called them stupid in front of their friends. You're stupid. Now, knowing that, how do you think you would act? We're so quick to judge people. 
and the sin they're living in, be it alcoholism or whatever sin it might be. Maybe they're in jail, but we don't know the environment they live in. But you know who does? Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, hey, I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to save you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you. He knows why you're acting the way you are. He knows the situation you've went through. He knows your life. He knows those little, he knows about you. He knows those things that maybe doesn't hurt somebody else, but people say it to you and it just destroys you on the inside. Because we're not all made the same, brothers and sisters. There's some things that you come up to me and say to me and say, hey, you, you ball-headed preacher, and I'd laugh it off. Because I've been ball-headed since I was in my 20s. You can say somebody, you can say something to somebody, hey, you're losing your hair, and it will destroy them. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. There's men that are so prideful about their hair that when you say something about their hair, it destroys, they get mad, they'll fight you over it. That's why so many men wear hats. <laughs> they don't want you to see that they're going thin. Jesus Christ understands the man and how man is, even when we don't. And Jesus Christ is willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, even when other Christians won't. That's the Savior I'm preaching to you this morning. The Savior I'm preaching to you this morning, He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to save you. He doesn't want to judge you. He wants to save you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to save you. Here's the truth. This is the cold, hard fact of the truth. Because you say, well, brother, brother, I've heard you preach or you've heard other preachers preach and I've, they've, they've said stuff and I feel condemned. I feel judged. I feel like they're trying to destroy my life. And let me tell you a secret here. And it's going, against, it's going to go against everything I just said. Because you are destroyed. You are judged. You are condemned. But it's not Jesus Christ. See, just because Jesus Christ didn't do it doesn't mean it's not on your life. Look at the very next verse of what we're reading. Please. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned. Look at that word, already. Condemned already. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking, doesn't have to destroy you because your life's already been destroyed. You say, well, I'm living a good life. I've got a mansion. I've got two cars. I've, I've got more money in the bank I could ever spend. Laugh, and laugh at me. You can laugh at me. Laugh at me. My life's not destroyed. I know it's not destroyed up until you are about to take your last breath. And then you'll find out that big old house you own, all that money in the bank, is not doing you a bit, a lick of good. Because your life is destroyed. Amen. Everybody comes into this world with a life that's been destroyed. Jesus Christ doesn't need to come in to destroy men's lives. Men's lives are already destroyed. Some of us destroy it quicker. Through drugs and alcohol and the way we conduct ourselves and the life we live. We are just, we're just trying to destroy it quicker. But the truth is, spiritually speaking, your life, if you're underneath the sound of my voice, is already destroyed. It's already been destroyed. The Bible says we are all sinners and we're all going to die. And nobody, I don't care how strong a devout atheist you want to be, the truth is, any preacher that preaches this is preaching the truth. We are all going to die. 
Now, you might not know why we're going to die. The Bible tells us we're going to die because our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather through Eve took that apple, bit that apple, sin came into the world. Sin makes you die. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You say, well, I, I feel like you're judging me. I'm not judging you. You've already been judged. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but then the judgment. But after this, the judgment. So after you die, that judgment I was preaching on earlier, that's what's going to happen. You're going to stand before God. He's going to start judging you, judging you for your sins. And boy, you're in trouble. Jesus doesn't have to judge you. You've already been judged. And it's in this book right here. Why am I condemned? You're condemned because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. The truth is, Jesus doesn't need to destroy, to judge, or condemn anyone because they're already spiritually, spiritually, already, spiritually speaking, they're already judged, destroyed, and condemned. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, boy, you're in some bad shape. You might not realize it, but you are. And I'm here to tell you in verse 18, Jesus Christ says something very important where he says, He that believes on him is not condemned. You want to avoid that condemnation? Do you want to get that? Do you want to be able to stand before God and be right before God's eyes? The Bible says the only way you're going to do that is through Jesus Christ. Don't try to work your way in there. Don't try to give to the church. Don't try to feed the poor. Don't try to go to a certain church and get baptized by a certain church. God, in God's eyes, none of that stuff matters. It's all just a bunch of baloney. In God's eyes, there's only one way to Him, and that's through Jesus Christ. Say, so, well, why do you preach that? Because Jesus Christ Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. He said that. The same man. And He said, now, I'm not come to destroy you. I come to save you. I'm not come to judge you. I'm come to save you. I'm not come to condemn you. I've come to save you. But the truth is, when you study the rest of the Bible, the reason he can say that is, you're already condemned. Look at it. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, you don't believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, is condemned already. Amen. Already. See, you're just a walking condemned dead man. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. See, people get this idea like, I can work and do this stuff and get right with God and God can be happy with me and everything. And God said in the Bible and it's proven to you over and over again, you can't get right with me. There's nothing you can do, do that can make you right with me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah that all your righteousnesses, all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Anything good you can do is still filthy to God. So good luck going that way. But Jesus Christ says you're condemned already. Why are you condemned already? It's a simple belief of not believing. Because he that hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You either believe or you don't believe. It's that simple. Jesus Christ used up there in verse 14. And if you were with me, you were reading it with me. In verse 14, Jesus Christ used the illustrations, a beautiful illustration. He says, as Moses, as a serpent, look, let's read it again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, what's that story about, Brother King? That story is that Jesus Christ is telling is that Moses 
the people of Israel were sinning and they were getting they were having they were getting God angry with them. And so God, being God, he gets tired of it and he sends these fiery serpents and they bite these snakes, bite them and are killing them. And they go to they go to Moses and say, "Do something. God's out to get us. All these snakes are killing us." And so what Moses what God tells Moses is, "Moses, I want you to make a serpent, make it out of brass. I want you to put this this uh, snake this serpent, this snake up of brass, I want you to put it up on a pole, on a stick, on a tree. Put it up on a pole. He says, anyone that's bit, if they'll look up on that serpent on that pole, they won't die. Jesus Christ says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So if you were in the wilderness, and you had the, one of those snakes come along, and they, it bit you, you can't say, well, I want God to heal me. He said, the only way is you've got to look up at that serpent and you've got to believe that if looking at that serpent will save you. And if you put your faith in that serpent up on that tree, you'll be saved. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, Jesus Christ turned into sin. He literally became sin on the cross for us. So when Jesus Christ got put on that tree, he was like a serpent on a tree. And all it takes is for us to come by and say, I believe that looking on that will save me. Please, Lord, will you save me? And he saves you. Amen. That's Jesus Christ's own illustration. They didn't have to go and do some miracle work. They didn't have to go down into the Jordan River and get baptized. God said, you just simply look up on that serpent on that pole and you'll get saved. And Jesus Christ says, if you'll believe on him, you'll not be condemned. You believe on me and you won't be condemned. Just believe on me when I'm hanging on that cross. If you won't, you're condemned already. You're doomed. You're not, you're not going to say, well, I'll just get out of it. I'll find a way out. When I get up to God, I'll just talk my way out of it. Good luck there. Everybody that Jesus Christ dealt with, he got them, man. He got every one of them. He caught every one of them in their own words. There's points in the Bible where they were going after Jesus Christ and he got after them so bad that the Bible says they were afraid to ask him any more questions. And from that point on, they didn't ask him any more questions. Because every time they asked him a question, they thought they got him on one, he gave it right back to them. They didn't like it. And let me tell you something else about standing before God. The Bible says that a man went to arrest Jesus Christ and they couldn't arrest him. They came back and they said, why didn't you arrest Jesus Christ? And the, and the policeman of that time said, never a man spake like this man. You're going to stand before God in His holiness when He's speaking to you with the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking to you and condemning you, and you think you're going to stand back and run your mouth back at God? Good luck there. Amen. Now you might stand here and say, I don't believe there's ever a God. I don't believe I'll stand in judgment. Good luck there. Because I know how the Holy Spirit works, and if you're underneath the sound of my voice, the Holy Spirit's already moved, and He's right on your heart. Because He loves you, and He wants you to be saved. And he's working on your heart this morning saying, he's telling the truth. You're condemned. You're condemned. You're condemned. Destroyed and judged. Down in verse 36. Very powerful, powerful set of scripture. John chapter 3 verse 36 in closing. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Do you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You have everlasting life. I can say that with authority. Nobody can talk you out of it. And he that believeth not, you're in here this morning, you say, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't want to take him as my Savior. I don't care. I don't need him. And he that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath 
of God abideth on him. See those two statements? They're true to the fact right there. Meaning, you take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're not going to get eternal life. You have it right now. He hath eternal life. See, right now. Not, I'm going to get it in the future. I have it right now. You know what that verse also says? That if you believe not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him right now. You're destroyed, you've been judged, and you're condemned. And the only way out is to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to be redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You're stuck in prison. You're a prisoner of Satan. You're a prisoner of this world. You're in bondage. And Jesus Christ says, that's the kind of man and woman I came in to save. I didn't come in to save the righteous. I came in to save the sinners. And that Bible says that Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. And if you're in here this morning and you are a sinner in Jesus Christ, or you're a sinner and you don't know Jesus Christ, and you, you need Jesus Christ to cleanse you and wash you and to save you. He's there for you. Man, Sister Winnie Stevens, 92 years old, sitting at her house before she passed away, she said, Brother Keegan, she used to tell me all this, I mean, incredible stuff about, you know, 90 years ago. She had these incredible stories of, you know, growing up for 90 years. But one of the things she'd always say to me every time I come over to the house, she'd say, Brother Keegan, I don't see how people get by in this world without Jesus Christ. Now, that's the testimony of a 90-year-old lady. She says, I don't know how they do it. You know what my answer to her was? I don't know either. Because I've lived, I've lived 20 years of this life without Jesus Christ, and I've lived another 20-something years with Jesus Christ. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. The best times, the best days of my life has been with Jesus Christ. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed 
in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him